0: Well, hey there, it's Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast. And this week is Easter. So of course, we're going to be talking about the resurrection. And the resurrection took place about 2,000 years ago, and the world has changed a lot over the course of those 2,000 years. But we're really not that different than the women who woke up early that Sunday morning to go down to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for burial. So in this sermon, we're going to think about what the world was like for them and what the world is like for us. We're going to hear the good news from them, that Jesus isn't dead and buried in a tomb, but he is alive. And we're going to be left with the same decision that the women had to make, thinking about how we go forward with this good news. So let's get right into this week's sermon. In the Gospel of Luke or Luke's account of Jesus's life, we're told this. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish High Council, but he had not agreed with the decision and the actions the other religious leaders made. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he had been waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate, and he asked for Jesus's body. Then he took the body down from the cross, He wrapped it in a long linen cloth and he laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of the rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation for the Sabbath. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where they placed Jesus' body. Then they went home and they prepared spices and ointments to embalm him. But by the time they were finished, it was the Sabbath. So they rested all that day as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. These ver- verses, this portion of the story, the beginning of the Easter story, takes place about 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. That time frame is almost incomprehensible to us. The average lifespan in America today is pushing toward 80 years, but 80 years is merely a fraction of the 2,000 years that have passed since this Easter event took place. And my, how the world has changed since those days. Just think about it. Today we have cars and airplanes, we have smartphones and we have iPads, we have Wi Fi and we have social media. These things would have been almost unimaginable even a century ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. And that's not all. Over the last 2,000 years, the power of the world has shifted from the Roman Empire to Europe to the United States of America. And even now, our world is becoming more of a global community. Political systems have changed so much over the last 2,000 years as monarchies have risen and fallen, and they have almost become a thing of the past and democracy has become the preferred form of government across the globe. It's kind of amazing when you stop and you think about just how much the world has changed over the last 2,000 years. But when you do, when you think about everything that's gone on, everything that's changed over the millennia, When you think about that, it's hard to believe the story we're talking about this morning took place in the same world that we live in. But this story, the Easter story, begins 2,000 years ago nonetheless. And when I stop and I imagine how the events of this day unfold, I always imagine it taking place the same way. I imagine it started in a dark, cool household just inside the walls of the city of Jerusalem as the women came together that day. I imagine that small group of women getting together inside of that house to, so that they could prepare everything they needed to go out and anoint the body of Jesus for his burial. Because now the Sabbath day is over, the day of rest for the Jewish culture. It has ended and they are free to go about doing the work that needs to be done. And I imagine that as they gathered in that place, memories, memories of the last 48 hours had to be filling their minds. The women had to remember hearing about Jesus being arrested and being tried, being convicted, and then being sentenced to death. They had to remember that just a few short hours before, another one of Jesus' followers had gone to before the government officials to beg for Jesus' body so that it wouldn't be left on the cross. As the women gathered together that morning, there was no doubt in their minds. There had to be no doubt in their minds that they lived in a cruel time and in a cruel place. You know, even though it's been 2,000 years since that first Easter, today, started in a similar way around here, too. Many of us woke up this morning and prepared for a busy day ahead inside of our cool, dark homes after yesterday's weather front moved through. And even though we weren't waking up this morning to mourn the death of Jesus Christ, there were still plenty of people, even though sitting inside of the sanctuary that's with us this morning, who woke up mourning today. Some have lost loved ones over the last week. Others may be celebrating their very first Easter since the death of a spouse or a friend or a child. Others may be preparing for the passing of a family member now who's under hospice care, while others are mourning the loss of jobs or mourning the loss of a relationship that ended in a breakup. Other people woke up in this world this morning knowing that tomorrow morning they have to stand trial before their own judge. Others woke up in holding cells, waiting to hear their sentence pronounced. And yes, there are even some people who woke up this morning in this world in prison, counting down the days until their death sentence is carried out. Yeah, the world has changed a whole lot over the last 2,000 years. But people are still going through the same things today that they were experiencing on that first Easter the group of women, then left for the tomb after they had gathered together to prepare for the day. And can you even begin to imagine what their trip to the tomb must have been like? I'm sure that there were plenty of tears shed as they made the journey from their homes out to where Jesus was buried. And I'm sure that even more stories were shared as they walked along together. But I also imagine there's plenty of silence along the way because none of them were really sure what needed to be said. We can all relate to that too, right? Whenever tragedies occur, we respond in similar ways to the ways that these women must have responded. We cry when those around us cry. We listen as those around us share stories, and we even tell a few stories of our own. And we sit in silence together, knowing that there is pain that needs to be comforted, but not knowing exactly how to comfort each other. And as these women came closer to the tomb that day, they must have been going with some sense of expectation about what they would find waiting for them whenever they arrived, because they knew certain things about what had happened when Jesus was buried in that tomb. They knew that when they arrived, they would have to roll the stone that was covering Jesus's tomb out of the way. And I'm sure that that wasn't a task that anyone in that group was looking forward to, This was a big, heavy stone that took plenty of people to to put into place. And they knew that when they finally arrived, when they finally arrived and they managed to roll that stone away from the tomb, that once they went inside, they would see the body of Jesus, their friend, their teacher, their Lord. And deep down inside, as they were walking to the tomb that morning, they had to have felt, like their cruel world had won again. Now many of us have expectation about what awaits us in life as well. We know, many of us know that tomorrow is going to bring another long day at work in spite of the fact that we're celebrating Easter this morning. We know that we're going to go into work tomorrow and that at some point during the day we're going to have to deal with that coworker that just drives us Crazy. We know that there are assignments that are going to be due, whether we have a job or we're going to school, and we know that at some point we're going to miss a due date on one of those assignments. We know that when we go home from work or school or wherever it is we wander during the day, that at some point we're going to get into another argument with our spouse or with our kids. We know that that phone call is eventually going to come, telling us that our mom or our dad has passed away. And we fear that one day we'll receive that call, that one of our children has lost their lives. We know that one way or another, the world will eventually get the best of every single one of us, and that we too will lose our lives. We know that this cruel world always seems to win. But things didn't go exactly the way that the women expected them to go when they arrived at the tomb early that Sunday morning. Again, the Gospel of Luke tells us, they found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were puzzled. The first thing that the women realized as they arrived was that the stone that was covering the front of the tomb had been rolled away. Now, I imagine at that moment there were probably two thoughts that were going through these women's mind as they saw the stone had been rolled away. The first thought that was running through their mind had to be relief. Thank goodness we don't have to move that stone. Somebody else has done it for us. But then, after that sense of relief, the second thought that had to be running through their mind is, If the stone's not where it was left, then somebody must have moved it. That big old heavy stone that was covering Jesus' tomb had been rolled away, and if it was gone, somebody had moved it. And then they had to remember what other accounts, what other gospels tell us uh, took place. That soldiers had been stationed outside of the tomb, because of a fear that the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman government had that Jesus' body might be stolen. So if the, tomb had been rolled, if the tomb was empty and the stone had been rolled away, then they had to be afraid that someone had stolen the body of their friend and their Lord. And as they walked into the tomb, they had to fear that their worst fears had been realized. They saw that the body was gone. And in verse 4 that I just read to you, we're told they stood there puzzled. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire gospel story about what happened on that Easter because that's where so many of us find ourselves when we read the story. We're puzzled by it. And these women were puzzled by something that we all know about life and that's that life throws you curveballs sometimes. There are times in life when you walk into a situation and you feel like you know exactly what to expect, only to find that the expectations you had were completely wrong. And that's what these women experienced. We've been there. We've all been puzzled by what's happened in our lives. We've all sat and we've tried to figure out how someone's cancer can be miraculously cured, yet another life claimed by this horrible disease. We've all tried to understand how one person can walk away from a major car accident, and then someone else can be put into a hospital for a long period of time because of what seemed like a mild fender bender. We have all tried to make sense out of the unexpected experiences of life, just like the women did that first Easter day. And then, after they found the tomb empty. The women experienced something that none of us have experienced. And if we do, there will be plenty of people who think we've gone nuts. And Luke tells us about that too. Writing, Trying to think of what could have happened to Jesus' body. Suddenly, two men appeared to the women, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed low before them. Then the men asked, Why are you looking in a tomb for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Don't you remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would raise again on the third day? Then the women remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else, what had happened. These women were met by angels outside of Jesus' tomb. And although we may never share this experience of seeing angels before our eyes, we have all been given the same message from them that the women received early that Sunday. Jesus isn't here, but he has been raised from the dead. So what exactly does this message mean to both the women at the tomb and to us? Well, this message, this message that Jesus is alive means that there is hope. There is hope. There is hope for a better life. There is hope that uh, we can live our life out in spite of all of the expectations that go wrong along the way. There is hope that we can work things out in relationships that have fallen apart. There is hope that we can get along with that coworker that just drives us up the walls. There is hope that the world will not always win. And although there, it's still a reality that life is going to come to an end for all of us, in this world, there is hope for a new life and a better life beyond this world. And this hope begins in Jesus. This hope begins in Jesus. Now the story of Jesus' life isn't always a story of a good life. But it is always a story that is filled with hope. I mean, just stop and think about what you know about Jesus. Now, Jesus' life on this earth begins in a barn. And his first bed is a feeding trough. Now, how many of you had that birth plan for your kids? Nobody. Nobody expects that for their kids, but that's how Jesus' life began. From there, we're told that Jesus and his family were forced to flee from the barn and the stable inside of Bethlehem to avoid the first attempt to end Jesus' life. He's only a couple of years old, and people are already trying to kill him. Now, parents, you may have felt that way about your kids when they were going through the terrible twos, but that's not the life that any of us want for our children. As Jesus grows older and his life progresses, he then becomes a nomad. He wanders from town to town, village to village, preaching and teaching and performing miracles and finding shelter wherever he may. You realize what that means, right? It means that during the three years of Jesus' public ministry, he was essentially homeless, relying on benefactors and the kindness of strangers to take care of him. Again, that's not exactly a dream come true for many of us. Jesus was constantly attacked and questioned. He was pestered at almost every turn when he was out teaching by somebody that was trying their best to prove him wrong but that's not the life that most of us dream of. We dream of a life where we are going to be well-respected and honored and liked by all. But Jesus, Jesus was hated by so many. So ultimately, Jesus was arrested. He was tried. He was convicted, and he was killed. So this doesn't sound exactly like the life of a man that should bring us hope. I mean, when you first think about the story of Jesus, the, the real bit of hope that we can initially hear is like, as bad as my life may feel sometimes, at least I didn't have it as bad as Jesus had it when he was walking this earth. But this whole story has changed on that first Sunday morning. On that Easter Sunday morning, in one moment, the script, is flipped and Jesus goes from seeming like a downtrodden man to the realization by the world that he is truly the Messiah. And we can all share in the hope of what Jesus' resurrection means because we are promised in the resurrection that through our faith in Jesus, we can be co-heirs to the kingdom of God. We are promised through the resurrection of Jesus that life will be better. Maybe it won't be better for us on this earth, but it will be better for us on the other side of eternity. We are promised through the resurrection of Jesus that the good guys really do win out at the end of the story. And we're also promised in the resurrection that we get to be one of those good guys too. We are promised in the resurrection that all we have to do to to have all of these promises come true is accept Jesus, believe in Jesus, and then commit our lives to following Jesus. For the women that had gone to that tomb that Sunday morning, what they experienced was a life-changing event. And as soon as they left that place, Luke told us that they rushed back to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened? As soon as they left, they had to share their experience. But Luke continues on in the story, telling us the women that went to the tomb were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several others. They told the apostles what had happened. And what do you think happened? They told the apostles, and all of the apostles started praising Jesus. Amazing things have just happened. We are so happy that Jesus isn't dead and buried in a tomb. That's what happened, right? Right? No! No! This is my second favorite part of the entire story. But the story sounded like nonsense to them, so they didn't believe it. The story sounded like nonsense to them, so they didn't believe it. But Peter, Peter ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering about what had happened. Now today you've heard the same message delivered from these same women again. And you face the same choice that the first people who received this message faced. You can believe the story that these women told. Or you can believe, like most of the disciples did at first, that it's complete nonsense. That choice is yours to make. You can continue to choose to believe in the world that you have experienced. The world that you knew before the resurrection. A world that is filled with pain and with sorrow and with despair and with grief. Or you can believe in a world where the resurrection has happened. You can believe in a world where there is comfort for the sorrowful. You can believe in a world where there is hope for all who despair. You can believe in a world where there is relief for those in pain, and you can believe in a world where there is sympathy for all those who grieve. You can believe in a world where death is the final word, where evil wins out, where justice is never served. Or you can believe in a world after the resurrection, a world where death is not the end of life, but rather the beginning of a new life. You can believe that evil may sometimes prosper, but that good and that God will ultimately always win out. You can believe that justice may be delayed, but justice is never denied. So you can continue to live in this world, the world before the resurrection, where our heads hang low because life is too harsh and the world just seems too cruel. Or you can live in this world, the world after the resurrection, with your head held high, holding on to the hope that is promised to all who believe in Jesus. You can continue to live in the darkness of the night that was found just before day broke, early on that first Easter Sunday morning. Or you can step out into the light that was shining down when the women arrived at that tomb and found the stone rolled away and that it was empty inside. You can respond to this story the same way that the women chose to respond. Or you can respond to this story the way that the disciples chose to respond. You can receive this message and you can go out and tell everyone you meet about it. Or you can stay put in your room feeling like it's nonsense. But there's one more way that you can respond. And that's the way that Peter responded in the story. While the other disciples feel like what they've just heard is nonsense, Peter decides he's going to go out for himself. He's going to listen to what these women said, and he's going to go to the tomb himself to see with his own eyes what took place. To see with his own eyes the hope that the world has for all who believe in Jesus And then you can decide how you'll move forward from there. And if you do, try to experience this event through Peter's eyes. You're going to be just like him. You're going to be left wondering. But not wondering about what has taken place. Rather, wondering about how much life has just been changed. Because Jesus is alive. Yeah. A lot's changed in our world over the last 2,000 years since that first Easter Sunday morning. But the greatest change in our world wasn't made over the course of centuries. The greatest change in our world happened early in the morning, that first Easter Sunday. On that morning, our world was changed forever. On that morning, a tomb was found empty. And because of this, we can all be filled Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for the chance that we have to be in this place this morning to worship you on a day that we call Easter. This is the day that we gather together and we confess with our lips that you are not, that your son is not dead and buried in a tomb halfway around the world from us, but he is alive and at work in this world and at work in our lives. Now God, when we look around, we can still see evidence that there is darkness that remains. There is still hatred. There is still sorrow. There is still despair. There is still chaos in this world. But because of the light of Christ that shines so bright after the resurrection, we know that in spite of the hatred in this world, that love wins. We know that in spite of despair that there is true joy. We know that in spite of the sorrow that there is triumph. We know there is hope. So God, allow us to be filled with this hope the same way that the women were filled with the hope when they heard the good news that Jesus is risen and encouraged to go from this place the same way they went from that tomb, sharing this good news with all we meet. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey there, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this week's sermon podcast. And we hope that the good news that you've heard, the news that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, has filled you with hope. Now next week we're going to be going back into our sermon archives and in two weeks we're going to be starting into a brand new sermon series at Melbourne Heights that we're calling So Loved by God. We're going to be journeying together through the Gospel of John and we're going to figure out how we can love each other like Christ has loved us. So we hope that you'll join us next week for our trip into the archives and in two weeks when we start into this brand new sermon series. Now as always, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do that before you close everything out today. And also take just a second and leave us a review. Your reviews can mean a lot to us, and they can help spread the word about this podcast to other people. And in this case, you can help share the good news that Jesus is alive. As always, I hope that you guys have a great week this week. We will see you back here next Tuesday. And may you spend the rest of this week living out the good news of Jesus' resurrection.